it just got to a point where I was still on the meds and on the steroids and they kind of had just stopped working really. Like my mind had found a way to to bring that anxiety and depression forth regardless and was just kind of putting in the forefront being like, no, like this is still here. Like this needs to be addressed. Welcome to the Vegan Manly Man Podcast. What is good, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Vegan Manly Man podcast, where vegans aren't weird, we are just from the future. My name is Jake Singer, I'm your host as always, and this is the show where we talk about self-growth, plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. What's good, guys? I have an amazing guest on the show this week. As always, I know I say that every week, but it's true. Amazing people just keep on coming on the show, and I love it. This guy is super insightful. I've been following him on Instagram for many years. Um, He was probably one of the first guys that I actually connected with on social media when I first went vegan. So that's pretty cool. I've been keeping up with his journey, and he just always has some really insightful and amazing things to say. So I wanted to bring him on the show so that I could share that with you guys as well. Um, K. Derek McKenzie, he is an engineer, entrepreneur, athlete, and activist. He has a long list of academic, professional, and athletic accolades, including multiple awards in finance and an undefeated boxing record. He is most proud, however, of simply being a good person. How awesome is that? Derek now considers himself most vitally a warrior of his own mind. Fighting a lifelong bout with mental health um, has led him towards an ongoing awakening and a discovery of how he defines success and what really matters. The only thing Derek is selling or endorsing is love for others and most importantly, ourselves. I think that is a super awesome message. Um, I'm pretty much going to leave it to the conversation here because... Doing an intro doesn't really do it justice. I want to go into the deep stuff and let you guys uh, see for yourself. So hopefully you guys get some really awesome insight and value out of this show. Um, Enjoy this interview with Derek, and I will see you on the other side. Derek McKenzie, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jake. Thanks, man, for having me on. Uh... Again, just really stoked to see what we get into here. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll get into some good stuff. I've been following you for, man, it has to be at least five or six years now. Like one of the the OG follows uh, from Instagram when I first went <laughs> vegan. So I don't even know how long it's been. But, uh, you know, I've been following you for a while now and just seeing the content you put out there and your attitude and your your insight and your outlook on life. It's um, it's incredible. And I'm glad to have you on the show. And we're, we're definitely going to dive into all that. So. I appreciate that. Thank you. I like the OG followers comment as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's cool. I have like so many. Yeah, I just call them like, I feel like when I went vegan, I added a bunch of random people like on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And I, I still feel like that's a thing that people do. Of course. But yeah. And, and now being vegan for so long, it's like um, just going back and seeing like these people that you've been connected with for this whole time you're just like yeah you're one of the og vegans (laughs) (laughs) truly it's kind of amazing and there is kind of that like uh 
that early community too and especially you see it through the the social media back when that's kind of all that we had to kind of connect with other people of the same mind when when there weren't as many uh, uh you couldn't find as many local people right so that's i guess where that the og community kind of stems from yeah. but it's kind of great and it's been so such a blessing because uh i'm sure it's the same for you that you've you've connected with so many amazing people and have made some lifelong friendships out of it and obviously stuff like yeah. this it's just great Dude, I honestly have. I mean, there's people that I visit, you know, halfway across the country on a regular basis that I've met through online. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's incredible. I mean, I I grew up with, I feel like I got the best of both worlds growing up. You know, when I was a kid, I still rode my scooter down to my friend's house and knocked on their door and asked, you know, can so-and-so come out to play? And then, you know, the internet hit when I was, I don't know, maybe in sixth grade is when it got big and we had like AIM and started messaging and then like all of a sudden you just saw this progression of just getting connected with people. And I mean, I've, I've dated people that I met online. I've, you know, formed really amazing friendships uh, from people that I met online. I've just got connected with so many cool people. And well, I mean, this conversation is a perfect example of, of just the incredible opportunity that there is. Truly, truly. I, c- I couldn't agree more though, that uh, there's definitely something to be said about having got to experience kind of both sides or this kind of transitionary period through the the growth of the internet where we kind of like back in the day you still had to if you want to talk to a girl you had to like talk to her mom or dad (laughs) on the phone first right like before even (laughs) cell phones were were super prevalent it's like you got to call the house phone it's like hey can can i talk to emily please who are you (laughs) yeah now that's just non-existent right it's just completely different you can just directly connect with people which of course is so amazing um but uh it's kind of cool to have gotten to seen or gotten to have seen the world prior to that or yeah, experience definitely. it rather. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this generation, you know, that has had the internet and, you know, iPhones their whole lives. I don't know. I'm just curious to see how they grow up and what it evolves into. Mm-hmm. It is curious. And I find that, uh, people on the older generation or the older side of these things always, tend to be the ones resisting whereas the younger generations are the ones that are like for these things like older generations seem to resist change especially yeah drastic change so i'm obviously now in that older generation i'm like oh this is like too much like <laughs> kids are too connected and like it's too it's just too easy to to source out like the negative side of of those things as well but sure. that, being, that being said i'm sure that there's a uh, many uh, arguments or or cases for for the opposition on that as well yeah i mean i think most people are just resistant to change in general absolutely and then not a lot of people embrace change it's like you know i mean just think about how many people grow up their whole lives with like the same ideologies and just you know it it takes a lot to break down those walls of of how you've built this almost you know i feel like we build these almost like false you know facades i'm I'm actually reading a book right now it's called the untethered soul okay um not sure if you read that before or not, but uh, it, my missus is reading it, I think. Oh, nice. Or has read it rather. Yeah. It, well, anyway, it, it makes the analogy of, of you going out to this field and seeing this, like this most beautiful field and the sun shining and all these flowers and you decide, Oh, I'm gonna build a house here and you build up this house. And eventually you you build up this like fortress where the sun doesn't get in and you lock all your doors and everything. So it's like, you know, when, from the time you're young until you know, wherever you are now, you're building this house based off of your experiences and your, you know, the things you encounter. And 
then it becomes like this very set in stone foundation. And the more you build it up and the more you feel secure within that, it's harder to break those walls down. Um, you know, you can compare that to people going vegan. You can compare that to, you know, a racist um, coming to light of, of, of figuring out that, you know, we all want the same things as humans. And just because our skin color is different doesn't mean anything. So it's like building up these incredible like fortresses and walls our whole lives to crumble that down and to be open to change and different ways of viewing the world is it's a really hard task. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's something to be said for that, you know, and a lot of vegans, I I just use that example just because I'm in that world, but like a lot of vegans get so mad when people can't seem to understand their ideologies. And like, that's because (laughs) there's years of conditioning and building up how you view the world. It doesn't just happen overnight that those things crumble. 100%. I, I really like that analogy as well, uh, bringing kind of the sense of home into the analogy because, as you know, like home and, and like our identity and that kind of whole area of our lives is, is something, as you said, is so hard to, uh, to break down and come away from. And we can kind of create these identities for ourselves. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, again, it's so, so hard to get away from. And the veganism thing is, is, a, is a great example of that for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, man, I was uh, I was scrolling through your IG, and I see that you have the bald head beard combo too. Um, My man, that's that's the look. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, uh, I don't think people realize the freedom of of being bald and not having to worry about fixing your hair. You know, it's truly amazing. Do you bick your head or do you use clippers? Uh, I just use clippers just because okay. it's. I feel like it's easier. Way I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm missing out on actually just doing the full shave. The the clippers is way way easier. I've been yeah. on the I've been on the bic, um, but it's kind of I find the the bic's definitely harder, but better for for my look for sure. But yeah. to each their own. Yeah, but gotta respect the gotta respect the bald headed beard look. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I was like, yes. I was like, all right, it's in, it's in style. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, true. I was well, like I'm worrying about my receding hairline. I was just like, nah, nah, nah. This is definitely the look. Yeah, truly. <laughs> cool, man. So uh, let's dive into it. Um, I've been following you for a while, but man, I, I honestly don't know too much about you. I don't know. I know some of the stuff that you've posted, some of the things you've been through, but you know, I really don't know your whole story. So why don't we start... Um, First, let's start. Let's start with a big question. Sure. Um, this is how I do all my shows here. What's your mission statement for life? All right. Just I like to just one hundred percent just get to the core and and see what you're about, what you're here to do on Earth, um, and then we'll deconstruct from there. Mission statement for life is a great question. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I I wish that I'd actually had something like this written down that I was like striving for throughout my life. Um, I kind of. I kind of look at it from the from the perspective of that I'm trying to. I don't really have a mission statement, but I'm trying to uh, look at my life at that from the end of my life and where, whenever that may be, and just ha- having known that I've experienced as much as I can, but do it and and kind of created that positive impact, but do it in, doing it in a balanced way. So mm. the reason that I, I make a point of of bringing the balance into it is because I'm somebody that has a tendency towards imbalance. Um, I kind of take, I'll, I'll get onto something and I'll take it to an absolute extreme. Um, so mission statement for myself 
is trying to do all of the things that are positive, all of the things that I know that you're about, Jake, like all of the, the fundamental things that, uh, that your show preaches of, of compassion and love and all those things, but, but to do it in a way that's not extending myself to the point of imbalance, because I've learned that when I do that, uh, it actually kind of has an inverse effect. And then I end up taking away from myself, which then, like, as we all know now, as we kind of start to uncover these more mindful parts of ourselves, if you take away from yourself, then you're actually taking away from everybody else around you as well, because you, you yeah. just don't have anything to give to them. So, um, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to be happy, Jake. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is really, really <laughs> to all. sum it all up to sum it all up. My mission statement is I'm just, I'm just trying to be balanced and happy. And then I know that if I can achieve that within myself, um, that that's gonna gonna impact the people around me positively as well. I like that, man. That's awesome. I I found myself the other day in a similar. I, I'm glad you brought up balance because I found myself the other day in a similar situation, um, feeling like I was just so into my work that I was just ignoring everything around me. And mm-hmm. uh, actually made a post about it that was like, you know, don't be don't be so caught up in fixing the problems of the world or the problems of others that that you forget to take care of yourself as well, because you can never pour from an empty cup. And Mm -hmm. at the same time as there are these incredible, um, you know, misfortunes happening around the world and there's an incredible amount of suffering. And, you know, part of me feels like I have to do as much as I possibly can. Um, at the same time, I'm here to experience and enjoy life and this is something that uh, James Aspie talked about on the show. You know, he's a full-time vegan activist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be so immersed in such a negative thing, you know, you have to give yourself that self-care. You have to enjoy life. You have to go have fun. You have to still be human. Because without that balance, I think you're 100% right. You end up creating a disservice to what you're actually trying to do because you'll either get burned out or whatever it may be. So man, I, I, I 100% agree. I'm, I'm trying to be happy as well. I'm trying to be happy with, with creating an impact and, and leading others to be happy as well. So, um, I think that's fantastic, man. At the end of the day, I think that's honestly what we all want to do. So yeah, absolutely. And, uh, just touching back to your, your chat with, with James Aspie, he, uh, he also mentioned, uh, in your guys chat that once you kind of make that connection, right. We all, we all use that phrase, making the connection. Um, the world kind of tends to immediately look a lot darker right away. Yeah. Um, cause you kind of have, you kind of realize that you've just put on your societal blinders for so long and then, and then you kind of open the doors to that darkness and, and all of that kind of comes flooding and rushing in right away or at least that's kind of how the experience was for me so to to find that balance in there becomes kind of increasingly more difficult in mm-hmm. a way as you as you increase your awareness you're kind of where that balance is is kind of evolving so that's kind of been part of the struggle for me is that yeah. that I find myself like seeking balance and seeking knowledge but the more that I know the more or the what that balance actually means is kind of a moving target yeah, I, I get that one hundred percent. It's it's tough. You you have to be a very strong person to be, 
you know, an activist in anything because you're you're in the midst of a cause that is causing suffering to something or someone or some being mm-hmm. and trying to trying to stay positive and trying to, you know, still not destroy your own life, you know, going down the rabbit hole and, and spiraling downwards into depression or whatever it is. You know, I experienced that mm-hmm. when I went vegan. I like you said, you open up the door and it's like the floodgates come in and um and everything just felt so dark and, mm-hmm. and depressing at first. And it took me, I mean, it took me the greater part of a year to to really change my method. And, you know, I started focusing on the solution rather than mm-hmm. the problem. And I think that's a place that we can all start. Nice. Um, but it takes work. It takes daily work to to keep your, your head above the water. Um, so it's a very, that's why it's a very noble noble cause and a very strong thing that somebody can do when they when they take action towards something bigger than themselves because they're no longer just caring about themselves so yeah absolutely the, the strongest people care and it will take strong yep. people to care rather yep why don't we talk about your life growing up and some of the challenges that you've overcome to get to where you are today and have the mindset that you have now cool yeah uh didn't really have a two like my my story growing up isn't of of extreme trauma or or anything like that. I kind of uh, I had a, a suburban life here in in the west coast of uh, BC in Canada. So um, all in all, as far as places in the world go, it's a pretty exceptional place to grow up. Um, again, pretty standard. I was I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, my parents were big. Again, another a Canadian kid they wanted me to play hockey so i was almost um forced into it i say that now and like i I even joke with my parents about this because like i don't know if if i was necessarily the type of person who would have chosen to be an athlete um however i've i've always felt myself kind of more artsy um but that being said now looking back at it all um, the relationships and the social uh, kind of conditioning that I was able to to get from playing sports and playing high level hockey and learning how to compete and learning how to lose and all those kind of lessons in there, I, I really really do value those things. So I find it I, I I haven't really figured out whether or not like I actually appreciated <laughs> my parents making me do these things and, yeah. and there's also a lot of, of pressure uh, academically in our family as well so there's definitely a lot of a lot of pressure on me and I think as a result of that um, I started developing really really high standards for myself um, and then those kind of standards of course when anybody who has high standards or is a perfectionist knows that there's a lot of pain associated with that because the world is so imperfect and we as humans can can be so imperfect at times and and our mistakes and and our downfalls and that kind of stuff really really uh ate away at me um and again no no fault of of anyone around me i'm not trying to to blame my parents uh kind of expectations of me for this but i just kind of had been a sensitive person growing up as well so it kind of brought me to I was I was quite lost again having said or having mentioned that uh, I wasn't necessarily athletic in my mind but was athletic in my capacity that kind of led me to a bit of confusion as far as identity and and stuff mm. surrounding that so then when I finished 
uh, high school and immediately I was told that uh, I was going to university, that there was no option to, to take the year off or, or go do anything else. Um, so I, I moved away. I chose, all right, if I'm going to go to university, I'm going to go away. And then moved away out of my parents' house at 17, 18. And then having had all that pressure on me for that amount of time, um, then you, you're, once that's released, then of course, as anybody would, you start to immediately start exploring all of the things that yeah. weren't available or not available, but just weren't even in my realm. Right. Uh, so I kind of went off the deep end a little bit for a few years there. And, and I, just, I, I played that one year of university. I played, uh, in the, on the all-star team for that university league. And I thought like I was just an absolute stud and then quit playing hockey and kind of got into the dropped out of the school started partying and trying to find myself through i guess exploring everything <laughs> if that <Yeah>. makes sense <laughs> um and and i wasn't i wasn't finding myself in there um and uh, that's when i started trying to uh create my identity of what I thought was cool at the time or what I thought would get girls or, or whatever. And, uh, that's when I started, uh, using steroids quite regularly. And, uh, how, know, how old were you when, when you started? Uh, first time that I ever did injectable steroids, which I kind of thought was like the threshold of like, this is now the, the real stuff. Um, that was, that was 12, I was 20 years old. 20 so you were you had dropped out of school already yeah dropped out of school moved back not to my parents but into the same town so i was living in like the town that i grew up in and uh my sister's boyfriend who's from australia who's a huge rugby player from australia and he was just like man we got to get you on some testosterone and i was just again eager to uh try anything that i could attach my identity to and then the first time I tried testosterone, uh, those first three weeks of that first cycle, I noticed my body and my mind and so much change so fastly that, or so quickly that, uh, I knew, I knew it was going to be a problem for me. At the time I didn't really recognize it as a problem, but I just knew that it was going to be something that was prevalent in my life. Um, cause I yeah, what, what was that like? What, what were those changes like? So testosterone is, it's a, it's a wild substance. It's, it's a mood elevator. Um, you're more confident, your muscle, uh, or your protein synthesis increased so substantially that you just recover almost immediately from whatever you put your body through. So it essentially, you, you just level up, right? <clears throat> and that's a pretty appealing thing as a 20 year old guy who's like you, you go to the bars you want to be the big guy you want to have the confidence or, yeah. or go to the festivals or like these are the things that were important to me at that time right it was just like going out and and whatever so in in that time that 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 drug i'll call it was just so fitting for what i needed because it accomplished uh everything that i was lacking and i kind of did lack that identity and that confidence aspect and that kind of solved it because now whenever you see somebody and you're super confident and super vascular and super jacked, like immediately, like people, people will talk to you about working out, even if they don't work out or right. 
if if they don't care about muscles or whatever like guys girls like guys especially like the yeah. the, the, the attention from girls is one thing but when you get like guys like pushing their own girls out of the way to come be like yo man like <laughs> what do you eat <laughs> that's yeah. like that's when i'm like yeah that's yeah. what i hear all the time it's like it's like you know big dudes at the gym like expectations like all these girls around you and then reality is just a bunch of dudes <laughs> bunch of dudes yeah exactly 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 but like the attention it, it when you start getting recognized for something then your ego or sorry i shouldn't say you for me my ego kind of then was like okay like yeah this is good like all this is me right so that kind of became a very addictive cycle for the next eight years up until up until i was about 28 so two years ago i was on and off with steroids of all different kinds some far more intense than uh, testosterone there's a substance called uh trenbolone or tren and i like this stuff is just so bad for you like thinking back now i can't believe that i thought that this was normal i would take you would inject trembolone and then you just wouldn't sleep for the six weeks that you were on this stuff like just absolutely vibrating and wow yeah and like so i mean you had strong. to sleep at least like a couple i mean can't um, go six weeks without sleeping. <laughs> yeah like i was i was i was sleeping here and there but um like I would go to bed at night, but I would like feel myself tossing and turning and just sweating. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night and I distinctly remember like feeling my biceps in the night when I was sleeping and they were just like pumped to the absolute sky and I wasn't doing anything to warrant <laughs> such an expression of my body. And, uh, and at the time I kind of liked it cause I was like, you know when when you're I don't know if you've ever gotten too deep into the into the supplements and stuff, but it was almost like the more pharmaceutical sounding the name was back in the day, the more appealing it was, and like the more yeah. hardcore, the more appealing it was. So this was like the absolute like pinnacle of that. It's like wow, this is like makes me have flu like symptoms, and I'm waking up in the middle oh, of the night shit. and my arms are pumped. So like this must be some some real stuff, and and it certainly was because it worked in the in what I wanted it to, I was definitely getting extremely strong and extremely ripped, but, uh, it also testosterone being the mood elevator that it is starts to mess with your endocrine system and being the, that your hormones balance a lot of the, uh, actions of your body, mood included, uh, the, the cyclical nature of steroids started to be a huge problem for me because when I would come off, then that's when I would get quite depressed, quite anxious first, and then quite depressed. I was reading through your Instagram and you talked about SSRIs. Can you explain what those are? SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So uh, I actually don't know too much about the specifics or the mechanics of how that works, but based on its name, um, it's acting on serotonin in your brain. So there's drugs, I think in the States, um, you guys call it Lexapro. Um, up here it is called Ciprolex, but it's the same substance. I can't remember the actual chemical name, but, um, I, at, after using steroids for about, 
three, not even, two years only. Um, I was living in Victoria, BC, and I went to see this doctor, and like I just couldn't figure out why. Like I thought I was just so depressed, and I, I didn't want to be up in the morning, but I knew that that's not like that wasn't who my soul was, if that makes sense. Like I right. knew that there was something more in me than just being depressed. And, and naturally we grow up in the West. We think we're just going to go to, uh, to our doctor and they're going to give me something that's going to solve this. Right. So I went to go see this doctor in Victoria and this guy was, he was an old school doctor. Like he was like surprised he didn't have like the black bag with the stethoscope in it. Like he was just so <laughs> old school, but I, I sat there and for the first time ever, cause back then, um, I was super closed in about, um, depression, anxiety, my feelings, like my parents didn't, like, I never talked to my parents about my mental health and didn't talk to any of my friends about it. I was embarrassed of it. Right. Um, so this was the, the first time that I'd ever really like opened up to anybody. So I went to this doctor and just like absolutely spilled my guts to him. And he kind of just looked at me for a second and was like, all right, like, so your basket case is what he said. And I like laughed and was like, okay, okay and then he didn't really say much in return just kind of wrote me he kind of explained very very briefly um what ssris do or not even what they do rather he kind of explained how they prescribe them the way he described it was uh that they don't work for everyone and different ones work for different people so what they tend to do is prescribe like a bunch of this and that and just hope that some of it sticks and then kind of slowly eliminate from there or kind of dial it in from there and to me at that time that that made sense and now thinking back um that that probably isn't something that i would suggest to people um right. and i'm not i'm not gonna take a stance like for or against um medication kind of for for me i found that being without is something that's manageable and i know for some people um that's not the case or at least i've heard from some people that that's not the case so I don't, uh, I don't intend to kind of like take a stance for or against medication, but anyways, this guy prescribed me a bunch of different medications and told me that, uh, in three weeks I would start to notice a difference. And then in six months, um, the levels would be built up enough in my system such that, uh, they'll be at their maximum capacity. And if they're not working, then that'll be the time to, to switch. So six months later, um, after taking all these SSRIs for six months, I was definitely, they definitely worked in terms of kind of numbing down that ongoing anxiety and, and the, the depression that kind of follows anxiety for me. Cause that's kind of the, kind of how it always happened. I would be anxious about, where they say anxiety is worrying about the future and depression's thinking about the past. So I would, mm. my, my anxiety would kind of lead me into my depression. So I would worry about the future and that would have me sinking into feeling and feeling guilt and regret about the past and yeah. <clears throat> all that. So this, this medication just kind of numbed that. Um, but I so never really, so it's an antidepressant more or it's less. A, it's an antidepressant. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't so, sure if it was, I, I saw SSRIs and I, I wasn't sure if that was something, some kind of steroid or testosterone thing as well. I, Cause I saw, you know, in your Instagram post, you said, you know, I, okay, I've been, you know, clean now and off of these drugs for the last two years and it was, you know, steroids and SSRIs. So I thought maybe they were in conjunction with each other or. 
Yeah. And, and the reason that I do kind of feel a need to bring them up together is because through my, and like, this is the anecdotal evidence I have through, through just knowing people in my own circle and communicating with, uh, with the random people on social media, as we discussed earlier. But the reason I choose to bring those up together is because I, I feel that it's a, a combo that's used quite often. Uh, and I think maybe unnecessarily so, uh, for myself, definitely unnecessarily. So the steroids uh, definitely took me further into the depression, and then I needed mm. uh, SSRIs to kind of combat that. And I know e- even in my own personal social network here in Vancouver, there's I've known a pretty substantial number of, of guys that uh, have been on the same cocktail, and it's for similar reasons. I mean, everybody's got their own story and their own struggle, right? But everybody's kind of trying to find that balance like we discussed and and there's also that uh that like the manliness aspect of it and the and everything that kind of comes with that so i've definitely got lost in there and i think that especially because the steroids not included but the SSRIs being that they're prescribed by a doctor or sort of given to us by people that we trust, that we just assume that they're safe. But when we go to the doctor, we don't actually give them the full story, especially uh, here in Canada, because we're on universal healthcare, you're literally only allowed to bring up two things when you go to the doctor. So if you were to say I'm depressed and I'm on steroids, they would, not be able to address that holistically they would literally only be able to address those two things that you brought up so if you're depressed you get a pill if you're on steroids they might give you some advice or maybe even uh something to help modulate your hormones there's like breast cancer research chemicals that they're starting to prescribe for stuff like that now which i think is again a little bit a little bit far down that kind of western medicine rabbit hole for my personal taste but uh but uh, yeah, again, I just I think that there's definitely something there to to be the, to bring awareness to that that there is a bunch of men that are kind of caught in this cyclone of identity and SSRIs and steroids, and it's almost become normalized because our doctors prescribe it and people don't talk about these things, so we kind of all have our own opinion of it, and that's not necessarily what the facts are so so it's typical then for people who use steroids to be on these ssris is it is that one of the symptoms of being on steroids long term is is having depression you know i would talk a little bit more about you were on steroids for eight years i mean that's a pretty lengthy amount of time and you know in that time you're still trying to find yourself and you know was the depression stemming from that of trying to still find yourself and, you know, maybe relating back to those high expectations you set for yourself, maybe not fulfilling them in your eyes, or was it a result of doing the steroids or was it both? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, very likely both. And I mean, there's definitely a correlation between, uh, depression, anxiety, and then like that bodybuilding kind of fitness, uh, physique, competition world so the correlation obviously as you know doesn't mean causation but there's certainly certainly something there that either people that that really want to make themselves 
physically appealing, have something going on in the inside that they're not addressing, or it's a matter of they're putting all of these things in their body and depleting their health so much such that their mind isn't able to, to operate properly. Um, so I don't know exactly as far as that correlation goes. I couldn't speak to exactly where that comes from. But, but for me, I, I have been somebody that definitely had a predisposition to, to mental health issues. Um, it runs in the family. Uh, it runs in the family, but it's something that the family never talks about, which is, which is something I find very interesting. Uh, that's kind of a generational thing of the, that, that older generation being far less likely to express their feelings about such things. But for me, I definitely had a predisposition to anxiety and depression. I remember being super, super young, uh, and, trying to get on the dial-up internet back like AOL when it was like you had to listen to that yeah. that crazy <laughs> so I was trying to get on the dial-up internet so I could google or not google yahoo or whatever so I could research ask Jeeves ask Jeeves that's the one <laughs> exactly I, I was trying to ask Jeeves um why I was depressed and I and think and I remember thinking even at the time like this is weird like I don't think any of my other friends like they're all on trying to get on the dial up internet so they can go on MSN and like right. talk to their friends on the low key or whatever. Um, but I was, I was trying to get on there to try and figure out like why I felt the way I felt. And I remember the first time that I found it was like WebMD or something. Like I found a description of depression and there was uh, one of the things that was said was this feeling of uh, perpetual impending doom. And I was like, Oh my days, like, that's exactly how I feel, but I didn't know why, but I definitely felt like there was this, this impending doom always for me. Um, so I, I wrestled with that for, for obviously many years, kind of in between that and the steroids and stuff. But, uh, I don't think the steroids caused my depression, but I 100% think that they amplified it and brought mm. it into places in my life that it wasn't necessarily existent before. So, all right, you, you take, you take these SSRIs and then you start to, you know, eventually feel better. At what point do you decide that you're going to quit, that you're, you're done with the steroids, you're done with the SSRIs? What was that transformation like? Uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't abrupt by any means. It was, it was years of, again, that cycle of, of, coming off steroids and then the SSRIs were there to kind of catch me and like feeling kind of good, but kind of not, but also just kind of numb again. Like I hadn't really addressed any of the root issues. So that's kind right. of the main thing. Like it was more, I was covering things up and I wasn't, I wasn't addressing them. Um, so uh, for me, it was those eight years of kind of just spiraling. And I, 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 I say spiral cause for me, that's how it felt. I mean, to some people would have looked at me through that time and be like, come on, man, like it really, you didn't seem to be like doing that horribly, but I was definitely, uh, confused about where this was headed. I knew that, um, it wasn't sustainable for me to take these substances for the entirety of my life. Um, especially when you consider SSRIs, like I, I think about things a lot. So when I started taking these things, I thought like these, these can't have been research for long enough um or trialed for long enough to to 
be able to suggest that I take these for the rest of my life because these drugs haven't been around that long. So we don't actually know what's going to happen if somebody takes SSRIs for their entire life, what what kind of long-term effects that's actually going to have on your brain. So when, when I would think about those kinds of things from a logical perspective, I knew that that it wasn't something that I wanted to do forever, but I also knew that I hadn't addressed the root issues of these things to, to be able to, to live without. So it was kind of a, a few, a few attempts at, uh, at quitting or sobriety from these things before I was actually able to do it. I tried to stop SSRIs a bunch of times and every time I would find myself okay for the first bit because i would get myself to a place and like this is still something that's ongoing for me like i still kind of i still find myself in periods of anxiety and depression but i'm far more balanced with it now and i can i can i know i just know myself better and i know how to communicate with myself to move through it but but at that at that time i didn't so i would i would come off of these things and i would build myself to a point where i was like okay i'm doing all right feeling good and then something would happen or something would trigger and then I'd start to feel a bit bummed and then uh, I would just look to the to the so the solution that had worked in the past and then would just go back to uh, SSRIs and in, in a similar sense I did the same with steroids um, more so from like a vanity perspective and that and the confidence thing um, but would, would try to come off and be like, okay, like I don't need to do this anymore. And then it would be a few months and I'd be like, okay, like time, time to just go for a cheeky cycle here. And, and <laughs> then, then that'll be the last one kind of thing. Right. Which is classic. Right. classic. Like one more time. Exactly. Right. Which is which, to me now looking back, that is absolutely just addictive behavior. And sure. at the time it seemed it, I hadn't equated it to being an an addiction i was i was medicating i guess or self-medicating but not not framing it as an addiction so it was it was a bit of a battle to move through that but eventually it just got to a point where i was still on the meds and on the steroids and they kind of had just stopped working really like my mind had found a way to to bring that anxiety and depression forth regardless and was just kind of putting in the forefront being like no like this is still here like this needs to be addressed right and and it, and it got got really really bad there was there was points for me where i was like i just just still have this one memory i was in my my apartment uh up the road here actually not too far from where i live now but it's just had a concrete floor in this apartment and I was just laying on the bathroom floor, just bawling my eyes out on this like hard concrete floor. And like, I didn't even really know why, but I just yeah. felt so much pain in my heart that I couldn't, like mm. it was really unbearable. And if I didn't have so many amazing people around me, I don't know if I would have made it through that. Um, but but that was a really, really tough time for me. And it kind of got to this point where, as I'm sure is the same for, for everybody that you kind of that that dark night of the soul or that those lowest points kind of become our launching point where it's like something needs to be done here. And I I used that to, to, to push myself forward. And I, like I wanted better for myself, like going back to the expectations I had for myself. And I think that's part of why it was so painful for me because I had these expectations to do something uh, with meaning, but 
rather than do that, I was thinking about myself and was so caught up in my own life and caught up in my pain that I wasn't even really, I, I wasn't even really able to discern where that pain was coming from. So it was just so self, everything was just so self oriented. It was all about me and like my little world. And once I started to move away from that and, and use that really low point to, to bounce off of, I quit the, the SSRIs cold Turkey, which I don't know if that's the right thing to do. (laughs) Um, but, but that's what I did. And, uh, I was able to battle through, I was able to battle through that. And then next came the steroids and the steroids thing was actually not as intentional. I moved to, to Toronto for a year and just didn't really have a source for steroids and i was so busy with work out there that i wasn't really working out or or anything so i kind of just started to live without and then i was like hey uh, i'm actually still me without this yeah or maybe even more more so me because it does change you like it does it does change like anything you add to your life or take away it'll change kind of your perspective and and i definitely think that that added testosterone had me a little more aggressive than than I actually am. Like if you go back, you, you say you've been following me for a while. If you go back and look at like my old old posts on Instagram, I and mean, a lot of them are gone now, but it's like me like talking about how tough I am and like <laughs> videos of me like beating guys up in the ring and stuff. And now I just like don't relate to that at all. So yeah, yeah. Do do you think that you built your self-identity so high into these external things that weren't sustainable, you know, stemming back from when you were in high school that, you, you know, you eventually hit that breaking point and, and didn't know why, but it was maybe just all these layers built on top of each other for, you know, a decade that you forgot, you know, the, the original source of where it stemmed from. Yeah. Uh, that's a great way of saying it. 100%. There's just so many layers of, of different identities and band-aids on top of of who I was underneath that it was yeah it was just really hard to discern what was what yeah so what else was happening in your life during this time during these eight years um you know you you said you dropped out of um college right yeah I dropped out of a university um and I, I ended up actually going back and finishing think like my, my parents were super supportive and fortunately they paid for everything which is so, like an insane blessing and I was able to, to finish that engineering school out here in BC but so I, I ended up doing that and that was through the period of depression anxiety too believe it or not but uh, I, I managed to accomplish actually a, a quite a bit through that but it was just I was certainly not in alignment with myself so kind of what happened through those years I, I i went to school and then i moved to victoria worked for a bit and then got into boxing um i actually went vegan while on steroids so, so i think mm. that's kind of a unique yeah very unique yeah i don't think <laughs> counterintuitive to what most people would believe you know you want to put all this muscle on of course we know that you can put on you know good muscle on a vegan diet but I'm sure being a a meathead at the time, you weren't, you know, what caused that? Such as I was an enormous meathead. As I, as I mentioned, I was living with that, the Australian 
guy who uh we had a george foreman grill and we would just like throw those costco chicken breasts all over it and eat them all in a day it was just an absolute meathead but uh i was depressed at that time as well um and now thinking back a lot of that was probably related to to what i was putting in my body is or or how bad it did get and the kind of the lack of mental clarity that i had at that time um but sorry where was i going with that brother (laughs) i i I just more or less my question was you know in in the midst of you on the steroid cycle um and being a meathead and being depressed you know how in the possible world did you decide to go vegan it just seems like you know you really have to be in a good position in your life to you know kind of be willing to accept and change into a new lifestyle yeah no doubt um so so for me i think it's because like i said it had that identity crisis and the whole like super manly super masculine super aggressive thing as much as i was putting that out there i don't think that was actually me and i think that underneath it all i'm actually quite a quite a sensitive and soft person so uh I was working with a guy who had recently gone vegan and he would tell me all of these facts all day. And before, before you've made that connection again, well, we'll use that phrase. You don't really, you don't really understand what people are saying when they're talking about veganism. So he would, he would say these things and I would say the classic respond with the classic meathead comments like for every chicken that you don't eat i'll just eat two yeah and stuff like that and it was just so outrageous to say and like so embarrassing but me and this guy are actually still good friends and and he uh he's quite appreciative of, of kind of where i've taken the the veganism now but he lent me this this dvd and said hey why don't you why don't you plug this in and it was a a little little dvd that we like to call earthlings oh wow yeah so i took that home that night and I was, I actually had this girl come over cause we, we kind of had like a date hangout, like a Netflix and chill kind of <laughs> night. And I was like, yeah, my buddy gave me this DVD. It's like about factory farming or whatever, if you want to come over and check it out. And she was like, sure. So we, <laughs> we watched earthlings and it was by far the most soul shaking thing that I had seen to that point. Yeah. And uh, the sensitive side of myself definitely recognized that immediately. And that was, that was the last time that I ate meat was that next day there, I had a roast beef sandwich and I was just looking at the sandwich and thinking about all of the things that I saw in earthlings and just all of that pain and that suffering and was looking at this thing and I just put the sandwich down and that was, that was the last time that I ever ate meat. Um, so how that how that plays into like all this the steroids and and all that it was it was getting back to the layers it was like that layer of compassion was always there but i had stacked these other things on top and it was it wasn't too hard for me to uncover that layer of compassion but what didn't happen was when i uncovered that layer of compassion all of the other layers didn't just fall away. They still remained right. All of the other kind of things that I'd built up on top of my identity to protect myself or to put forth this front that I was like this cool, tough guy or whatever. So did you live it as a secret life then? Like when you went vegan, did you kind of like not tell everyone at first um, because you were still trying to, you know, protect all those other layers or, or were you like vocal about it right away? Um, I was pretty vocal about it right away. And I think, 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know wh- why there wasn't, I didn't feel like a need to kind of protect that, especially with my friends and stuff. I think part of again, my ego almost appreciated that it was something different and that I was doing something that was good. And I think that that kind of helped me manage the fact that I did have these other layers to myself that I wasn't necessarily appreciative of, but now I had this other layer that I was like, wow, like I'm this compassionate guy that like, can you, you can actually do something to make a difference. Um, And I, and I legitimately do care. Like when I saw this and it made my like heart fell into my stomach, when you see that video, of course, as, as is the case with most people that have seen earthlings, um, I, I, I recognize in myself, I was like, okay, there's like, there's definitely some, some good in here. Like, let's, let's run with this. And that kind of, that was definitely a pretty pivotal, uh, experience for me that like veganism thing, because once I was kind of open to that, I was like, okay, like what else don't I know here? Or what else don't like, especially at the age of like 21 22 you you think you know everything right like you think you're the smartest person ever and yeah and or at least you think you understand the world and have it figured out but but then i realized that i didn't at all and that kind of had led me or has now led me into all kinds of discovery and growth and experiencing Mm. new things and and uh i'm sure that the diet uh itself has helped me from an actual fundamental standpoint of what i'm putting in my body to to help mitigate the mental health side of things but also the uh the compassion and the the good that i feel i'm doing is something that that i've kind of found peace in as well yeah yeah that's amazing man i I know we went on a big tangent there but i feel like that's a a pivotal part of the story yeah Um, yeah (laughs) but it's take okay so i want to take it back to you have this moment of, you know, rock bottom or whatever you want to call it where you're, you know, on the, on the bathroom floor. Um, and then, you know, over the past few years, you, you're off the steroids, you're, you're off the SSRIs. So what was the biggest thing that helped you in those two years to get out of that place of feeling like you didn't have your identity of, of feeling depressed, of feeling anxious, um, to the point where you're at now, like you said, you're able to handle it much better when you do have those feelings yeah uh the biggest thing that helped me uh was myself really um i i don't just going back to that that knowing that i felt that i had that there was there was something more than what i was doing i think we kind of all have that at some point that kind of that uh that knowing or that intuition of where where we kind of fit in to some it's obviously quite harder to to discern than others but for me i had this 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 legitimate feeling that i was meant or not not like destined for great things but that i was just meant to be more positive than i was and finding that in myself helped bring that into my external world. So when I started exploring mental health and veganism and all these like more positive things or the people that are, that are exploring these things in a more positive manner, uh, then you bring those people into your life and then it all kind of compounds in the same way that it compounds negatively. It can compound positively. And, uh, I'm pretty 
analytical person. So I recognize that the, the same mechanics that got me into the state of depression and anxiety would be what the inverse of that would be what got me out. So just, just pushing the, the positive self-talk on myself, um, yeah. eat, eating healthy and, and just like instilling those habits day in and day out. Cause it's a practice, right? Every, everything, like if you want to accomplish something, you got to be willing to work at it. So our, our mental health is no different than, than our physical health really. So if, yeah. if it's, if it's poor, then it's not gonna, you're not gonna go do one workout and you're like, okay, sweet. Like I'm fit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a matter of, of compounding the, those habits into, into really kind of creating that foundation of, of, of positivity. And for me, there was no one, one, thing like i like no one mentor came down and kind of told me like hey this is the ticket or there was one kind of like plant medicine or anything like that um for me it was just like the abs like putting in the the hard work and kind of applying the same mindset that i used through through training and and uh just building upon that yeah do you think a big part of it is just kind of you know being real with yourself and and looking internally um, for the solution, just kind of almost self dissecting and doing you know self realization, because like you said, you know if you do the inverse of of what you didn't do, it can get better. So you know you were looking externally for this validation, and then when you started to maybe look internally instead, were you able to just kind of dissect where the problems were and then take those little steps to build yourself back up? Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, it's, it's often quite hard to find that clarity within ourselves. Um, because we're so heavily stimulated by our external world right now. But, but I think that just like you said, coming, dissecting what's really going on inside and, and, and being real about it. And that's, that's like, that's the hard thing, right? Is like to tell yourself the truth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think actually for anyone who's listening, if you want something that you can do today, this is something that helps me um, go outside for a 45 minute walk. Don't take your phone. Um, go out in nature. Just have your thoughts and do that at least three, four or five times a week. Um, you know, and eventually you will come to realizations, whether it's about yourself or, or your life or, or whatever, you know, maybe at first when you do it, you'll, you'll think about the same bullshit, but I guarantee you, if you have just you and your thoughts, um, you'll learn a lot more about yourself than you realize. So if, if you want something you can do today, go do that. Yeah, Jake, that's, that's spot on. Like that's those habits, right? Like if you can, if you can make it a habit to get outside three or four times a week and just breathe and be with yourself and, and leave your phone behind, that's an, that's like such an amazing habit yeah. to, to implement in your life. And if you can stack a few really positive habits like that into your life, then, then you're gonna experience that more positive energy flowing through yep. you as opposed to doing the same things that you would be doing when you're depressed because obviously or de- anxious or whatever it is that you're feeling right if you're if you're gonna if you're feeling away and you're going to continue doing the same things that you've done you're going to continue to feel that way yep. um, so it's about stacking those those positive habits and getting outside is definitely definitely an amazing one to to put into practice i'm so fortunate here in vancouver that we've got incredible nature in every direction we've got the oceans and the mountain right here so i definitely make make use of that blessing yeah 
Yeah, 100%. I, I want to visit sometime for sure. So <laughs> yeah, you got to um, yeah, come out here, man. Hit definitely. And we'll, we'll crush all the vegan food and, uh, and climb the chief. Don't tempt me, man. I've been known to just buy plane tickets on a whim. So <laughs> yeah, no, here, man. perfect, man. I appreciate that. Um, seriously guys, it, it's, it's about not numbing anymore. You know, during my depression, I, it was every night I'd come home, I pour myself, you know, three gin and tonics, I'd smoke a bowl of weed. I would um, pop on Netflix. I'd eat terrible food. Um, They were all just numbing. They were all just numbing what I needed to actually feel because I didn't want to feel it because I knew that it was painful. That's what it takes. You have to feel, you have to feel the pain guys. You have to. Um, And and that's the only way that you're going to, you're going to let it pass and you're going to see through it. But if you, you know, if you push it down, it's just going to slowly grow and then it's going to explode you know, one day in a, in a bigger and more disastrous manner. And some people keep this pain in their whole lives. And I know people who, you know, they're just suffering their whole lives because they never deal with it. And it's a hard and it's a scary thing to do, but, um, it's the first step and, and you have to just, you have to stop numbing yourself and you have to feel it 100%. And that is the only way to start. Um, I don't know, man. Would you agree with that? I couldn't agree more. Uh, the and like you said, it's scary, right? Especially if if not hiking is your habit, rather coming home and the three gin gin and tonics and the bit of weed is your habit. Then, yeah, then that that definitely is a scary thing to to push aside because you know that the second you take those things away, that you're going to be left with what those things were. Mm. intended to yep. hide and then that becomes yep. now your priority is is addressing that right mm. yep 100 percent. so i want to talk about a pretty sensitive topic i guess um man what does it mean for you to be a man what does masculinity mean to you as somebody who who went through the whole you know oh, i gotta you know take steroids and and you know, be jacked and all this to try to prove myself and be tough. Um, how has your perspective changed on that throughout the years? And, and what does that mean to you now? Yeah, the the masculinity and, and uh, what it means to be a man, definitely, I agree with you. It's kind of an interesting topic these days as, as uh, like making gender generalizations is becoming uh, increasingly less popular. But there's, there's definitely something to be said in the in the difference between feminine and and masculine energy and i don't think they necessarily have to be as as kind of polarizing as as i once thought um but we can kind of move in and out of these uh these kind of energies to kind of help us achieve different things at different times and for me having tried so hard to like be the man before uh and like because that's that's like my dad was like a classic man's man too so that was my my example for what it meant to be a man was to be that kind of more stoic stoic side of things but but then realizing that that's not really who i am my kind of masculine energy comes more from the the side of the the instrument so uh i heard once i can't remember where i heard this but the feminine energy is kind of like the more like the creative and the administrative side of the energy and then the masculine energy is the is the instrument to apply it and uh, i really liked that because it kind of helped me feel less like i had to like be like the man or the or whatever but 
if I had to define it and that like all that being said, I still do appreciate manliness and, and would associate myself as being more of like a man's man. And, and what that means to me is, it, well, my, my missus who's actually pregnant. Um, oh, wow. congratulations. Rec- yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we recently had this conversation actually, cause she asked me, um, what does it mean to be a man to you? Or like, what's it going to mean to be a dad to our child or a father to our child? And I gave her this answer about like how I'm going to be the one to like protect and like teach all the lessons and all this stuff. And she kind of just like looked at me with this like, look like, yeah, okay. Like, like good answer. And then I realized that she was looking for something a little more deeper from me. So I kind of took that away and, and then pondered on it a little bit. And what I came back to her with was that, uh, that being a man in this circumstance means showing up for the people that are counting on me in mm. whatever way I need to show up. So if being the man means showing up with that feminine energy, um, and kind of having that like sensitive understanding side of things, then that's being the man. But if being the yeah. man means protecting my family because there's literally something going on that they need to be protected from, then then that's what it means. So, wow, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Just showing up, just yeah. showing up and being present. Yeah. However, however is required from you, right? Just kind of stepping into that role, whatever whatever is kind of required of that moment. And, and I really like kind of thinking of it in that way. And, and I, and I hope to apply that, especially for our, our little uh, daughter on the way. Yeah. Wow. Well, congrats on that, man. Uh, you're going to be a fantastic dad at, you know, 100%. So uh, <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate that, Jake. Yeah. No, no I love that answer. I'm, I'm going to have to start using that too. Just nice. showing up and being present however is needed. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, Okay, so some of the things that you sent me um, in your little bio when we were exchanging emails. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I liked is is you said, the only thing Derek is selling or endorsing is love for others and most importantly, ourselves. Um, yes. Is this something that, that you kind of came to recently or is this something that you still would have said, you know, five, 10 years ago, still having that, that compassionate person underneath everything 10 years ago i i probably would have said it um but i don't think i would have understood really what i meant because i again i knew that i like wanted to be somebody of positive impact but i didn't really know what that looked like or 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 what that meant so 10 years ago i yeah i I, I probably would have said it (laughs) <laughs> I would have yeah. thought it, but I wouldn't have known how, how, or what that really means. Because at that point, as, as described earlier, like I didn't really love myself. So, uh, I wasn't necessarily able to show up for other people as I would have liked to, um, because rather than like going to family dinners, I was locking myself in my apartment kind of thing. So I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said it um back then but it's definitely something that's helped through my transition through that period that eight years of 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 the lost man on steroids and and ssris the loving myself um as i described is kind of the only way that i was able to give myself enough and put enough in the tank to be able to start showing up for other people Mm. so by the action of that i've kind of realized that that 
on a more grand scale, like when we, when we do that and give ourselves that love, it just compounds so fast. And you can see if you just smile and wave at somebody, like as you're walking down the street and because you're feeling like, you're only going to do that if you feel good about yourself. Like if you're feeling good that you're not just going to smile and wave at people. I mean, it's a great practice to try and do if you're feeling crappy to like give to other people, but it's obviously much harder to do. So when you do that, it just, it just creates more love in the world. And that's really, really not, um, going to do anything, but, but come back to you really. Uh, it creates a ripple effect. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can see it in a small scale and you can see it in a large scale. There's so many examples of, of that kind of thing. But, but for me, I found that that self love is definitely the root of, of that transition. So I would love to see everybody put that into practice because if they did, then, then you can start to uncover that compassion inside of yourself. People would be mm-hmm. more open to things like veganism and, right. and just more open to each other and more open to, to communicate and be friendly when you're, when you're happy and comfortable and, and confident in who you are and, and have yeah. that self love. So you're able to be honest and speak that truth. Cause at that time I didn't, I would never have told anybody that I certainly wouldn't have come on here and mentioned that I was on antidepressants and steroids. Cause I was highly embarrassed of, of the SSRIs and kind of embarrassed about the steroids. Like there's also this kind of like layer of like secrecy and like kind of almost like your exclusivity rather that, uh, that you kind of like want to talk to other people about it. So there's like that, but, but I was embarrassed of it. So it was impossible to be honest because I, I didn't love those parts of myself. So I wasn't able to, to share it and kind of have that, the message that I do now. That makes, that makes total sense. Um, you also say you're most proud of being a good person. So how are you, you know, creating impact, uh, in that realm now, um, being a a good person, how are you, uh, how are you sharing that with the world? Yeah. Uh, being a good person. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I like to, I like to quote things often when I don't have the words myself. I don't know where this quote came from, but I heard it years ago and it said that character is how you treat those who can do nothing for you. Mm. And for me, that's kind of a nice, a nice way to, to frame being a good person. And I think the application of that for me is, is how I stand up for animals and, uh, and kind of preach that message and have been preaching that message for time and kind of really the simple, uh, uh, litmus test for lack of a better word or phrase, um, for me of, of what I, makes makes me consider what's what's good or what makes me a good person is 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 the world more comfortable safer and beautiful because i'm here and i am getting to a place in my life now where i legitimately think that's true that the world is is more beautiful with me here than without yeah and Not again, 100 man you're making it more beautiful right now with this conversation seriously uh, you know you're giving me tons of stuff to think about so <laughs> <laughs> good man good man this is what it's all about right yeah yeah exactly exactly that's that that's fantastic brother uh, i think that 100 you have you have fulfilled that and, and put it into action um and again you know that's probably why i've been following you for so long because you do put out an amazing message and you know it seems that that you also, you know, live it as well. It's one thing to say it, it's one thing to live it. So, you know, just keep doing that. Um, what Derek, what does success mean to you now? 
success success is yeah success is one of those uh is one of those terms or words that everybody kind of tries to to define or, or even reframe and make it seem uh, more mindful and positive than I think than than should be for success. Um, I mean, we try to like a lot of people would say that success is how much love you have in your life, and and I, to me, I I think that your love in your life is your love in your life, and your success in your life is your success in your life. So, the definition that I've have for success in myself is is the respect. Um, that I have from the people that I love. And I think that's perfectly said. Um, and I know that might seem a bit like unagreeable to some just because that, that puts success as something that's outside of you. But I kind of think that success, like it is kind of just, that's one of those words that I think that like language is just one of those things. We all kind of have our own definitions, our own perspective things. And to me, that word, uh, just means the respect that you have from the people that you love. And mm. I think that that matters. I do. I don't think that uh, the things that are external are of, uh, should be of any significant weight in how you kind of value yourself. But I do think that when we're, when we're talking about success, um, if you, if you, if you look at the definition of success, I'm actually not sure what the definition actually is, but um, it, it would probably say something like about money or clout or something like that. And, and rather than look at it from that lens, it's okay to like keep it external, but just look at it as respect from the people that you love. So to me, I know this is such a long winded and kind of roundabout way of no, answering no. this question, but you know what I mean? I, I, if this is one of those things that I don't, I don't feel the need to kind of, uh, to reframe as a super mindful kind of, uh, uh, term just because because yeah. to me it's kind of not really success isn't something that is, is super important to me but what it is is respect basically yeah i mean it's it's your definition and i mean from what i got from that it's just you know um your your connection with others and, and the relationships that you have yeah um you know those being in good standing is you know to you if if they are that is that's successful to you so yeah um this is the, the definition of success the favorable or prosperous termination of attempts or endeavors, the accomplishment of one's goals. Um, number two, the attainment of wealth, position, honors, or the like. So, yeah. Rock. I kind of have I both like the, in there. I like the first one better, yeah. I like the, the first one's like pretty mi- like mindful, and then the second one's like, oh, yeah, and money too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's just it. Like, we kind of do need both sides of things, right? Because if we're all just like out here just cool and then then we're not going to accomplish like yeah we'll be it, it would be nice to have a completely mindful life but it's also cool to like be able to travel and, and do those things yeah. too so there is a place mm-hmm. for that kind of ambition and like and that uh more more external side of things yeah yeah i would agree all right here's a deep question for you um love it why do you think we're here having this human experience on earth wow um why are we here uh um assuming that uh we're not in i don't know how much you prescribe to this idea but assuming that we're not in a simulation of of some sort and that this is is a base reality that we're in um i think that uh that earth here our experience here is kind of uh 
this is where we get tested. Right. And, and we all know that. Um, I just feel like we're here to experience. And that kind of goes back to my mission statement that I said at the beginning, I want to experience as, as much as, uh, as I can. And I think that that's for me, just waking up every morning and like when you're able to express that gratitude and feel, feel the wind, smell the ocean, those kinds of things. I really think that's why we're here because it does end, right? Like eventually, eventually we die and you're not going to be smelling the ocean anymore. So, um, to me, it's about, it's about just embracing that experience and, and attracting as much love as possible to make it as, as full of an experience as possible. Yeah. And, and creating those connections is a great way to, to cultivate that and, and human connection uh, being human is so unique and so crazy. Like when you look at our experience here versus every other species experience here, it's just like, just so much more complicated. We just have so much more to consider on a daily basis. And it's just kind of, it's intense. Being human is intense. So you kind of got to step away from the, all the, the noise and the clutter of, of what our, our experience is and kind of just think about what, what is, what is the animal experience on earth? And, and I think that it, it's kind of just nice to, to be able to smell and see and hear and feel it all. Right. Yeah. Those are the roots, you know, we, well, technology has, uh, has allowed us to not have to worry about, you know, surviving or at least most of us, those lucky enough. Um, so now things have shifted psychologically and we're just, I feel like we're just in like the infantry, um, or or the infant stages of that, you know, we're all kind of lost and just like, Oh my gosh, I have so much time to think about things. And it's just like, what do I do with all this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's so, yeah, it's, it's very unique. It's so unique, man. And and that's one of those questions. It's like, okay, we're here to experience, but why, you know, what, 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 what do we do with the lessons that we learn? Like, where do we, where do we take those to? And, you know, I, I could say anything about this forever and eventually, I come to the conclusion that, you know, we just don't know the answer, but, um, I like that, man. It's, it's, that's all you can do while you're here is experience as much as you, as you can. And you know what? I actually find comfort in the fact that one day I'm going to die, um, because it allows me to open up to any and all experiences because I feel like I don't have to be safe. I feel like I don't have to go and, you know, you know, obviously to navigate this world, you have to have some sense of security, but in the sense of, you know, like, I want to follow my dreams. So, you know, I'll work this job, maybe that's not ideal in the sense of society standards, but it's going to allow me to experience more. Um, and then in the end, I'm just going to die anyway. So why not try to just do as much as you possibly can while you're here? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so all right, man, I got to ask, are you going to be writing a book? I, I was, I was creeping through your Instagram and I saw you post it back in April yeah. about writing a book. Um, is that something you're still considering? Because, well, first of all, I would, I would totally read it. And I think that that would be amazing. Um, where are you at as far as that on your end? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still doing it. That's actually the reason that I've been a little, uh, quieter as far as my public presence of late is I'm actually trying to put the, uh, put that down. So I'm about just over 20,000 words in, which is not a lot, but it's definitely, um, it's, it's kind of my story, right? So it's been, it's been interesting. There's a lot of contemplation that's going into, into writing this, but yeah, to answer your question, I'm still, still on that. And I think, um, 
I don't know. I feel like it's, it definitely feels like something that I, I should be doing. It feels very much in alignment when I am writing. And I've been told the reason I started writing actually was I've been, I was told by many people uh, that I was a great writer and that I should write about my experience because they, they think that the way that I'm able to, like I'm an all right speaker, but after, after this, this uh, show, I'm sh- going to wish that I'd said like a bunch of things differently. Right. And like, wish that <laughs> no, I'd like, oh, that's how I should answer that question. But, but I think that when I write, I can actually um, articulate myself uh, a little more eloquently. So, yeah, so the, the, the point gets, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know how it is. Um, so, so I've been slashing away on that and it, it, it feels great to get it out for myself. And I think that there's definitely some message and there's definitely some lessons in there that, that other people can, could take away from or vibe with but also if not then then groovy i just want to put it out there and the intention is to uh is to hopefully uh market it such that all uh profits will go to saving animals which is obviously a nice a nice motivator and why to 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 get it finished so yeah i'm still uh still cracking away on that nice man good stuff well hey when when the book is finished um you have to come back on the show and and talk about it for sure and, and get that thing out there and it's, yeah. it's very noble as well to you know donate all the profits so um i i think it would be a big success and i'll definitely do my part in sharing that when the time is right so. <laughs> yeah thank you yeah let's put it to a, he- a heather's pick or a, or amazon bestseller or whatever and save some animals yeah hell yeah man hell yeah all right man where can people connect with you at uh, so right now, um, Instagram is probably the most convenient place just to see what I'm up to. As I mentioned, I'm a bit, bit quieter on the social stuff right now. Um, so that's kind of a great place to see just where I'm at and what I'm all about. The, it's K Derek McKenzie is the Instagram. But um, if, if anybody wants to just actually shoot me an email directly, like if you have anything, people have any concerns or questions or even just want to talk because uh, – uh, I think that I'm kind of unique in that I am kind of radically transparent about my experience and steroids and SSRIs. And I know there's other people struggling with these kinds of things. So if anybody wants to talk about that stuff or even something that's not related to anything that we talked, we spoke of today, uh, I'm happy to, to chat about anything really and just be of service in any way. So if people want to shoot me an email, my personal email is just letter K, letter D, McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E at live.com via be happy to 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 chat with anyone perfect perfect derek any last words for the listeners before we wrap this episode up sure uh so we we talked about we talked about a lot of stuff today uh kind of touched on a few different kind of variables that that affect both uh our external and our internal world um i guess if i could kind of sum it up in one thing is cliche as is and even though we've kind of already touched on it would be that we just all need to trust and and love ourselves those two things if 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 you can accomplish trusting and loving yourself then really all the other things that you need to do will kind of fall into place around that and like i don't i don't pretend to have the answers for myself or for other people for a second or have it all figured out you know but i know that as a result of loving myself and trusting myself that I'm so substantially closer to, to the balance that I'm seeking and understanding myself or, I mean, it's not really a destination, it's the journey, but I'm, but I'm further along and, and more in alignment with myself than I was 10 or five, even two years ago, just from, from practicing that self love. So if I could leave everybody with one thing, it would just be to, to put those, 
those dominoes or those habits into place to to start loving yourself if if that's a concern for you if not and you're already loving yourself then just keep rocking those habits because that that what that'll be what saves the world and kind of helps us all out hey man thanks for being on the show seriously it was it was a total pleasure and yeah um, truly i've taken away some some really insightful stuff from this conversation i hope the uh the audience can as well so i appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here and, and share your story absolutely jake really happy to have shared the time with you all right man we will talk soon thanks again brother my man guys you did it this is the end of this week's episode so if you're still listening i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for still being here if you enjoy the content of this show don't forget to leave me a rating and review on itunes and share with a family member or a friend somebody you think would also find value in this content If you want to stay up to date with what I'm doing and also have a chance to win some awesome prizes and giveaveaways, head to my website, www.theveganmanlyman.com and sign up for my newsletter. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.